Good morning, Saints. We as leadership felt like it was important for uh, Sandy, one of our missionaries that we support, to share this morning. So uh, you'll be happy to know that I'm intentionally keeping the sermon shorter. (laughs) For those of you that are regular attenders, you know that we've been in a sermon series about the attributes of God. We kind of left that for the last two Sundays, uh, Palm Sunday and Easter. Um, But uh, this one, are we okay? Does that sound kind of funky? Sounded kind of funky. Well, we'll let them play with it, and if that doesn't work, we'll switch mics. Anyway, we're in a sermon series about the attributes of God. The idea of this is to help us to know God better, to know God as He really is. We often have the idea, we we, we like to know God as we want Him to be, as we prefer, but clearly we need to know Him as He is. You know, if you're you're married, you don't want to know your spouse as, I don't know, just the person who washes dishes or just the person who brings home the paycheck or just the person who takes out the garbage or just the person who uh, takes care care of the kids most of the time. All of those things are important, but only in the context of the whole person. So we want to get a a broader perspective, if you will, of God himself. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the eternalness of God, the fact that God is indeed eternal. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your word again this morning, we're inviting you to to speak into us through your word, by your spirit. Lord, help us to see you in a way that perhaps we haven't before. Clarify our understanding of you. Cause us to know you in a way that you want us to, that we might leave here knowing you better than when we came in. And Lord, we trust that you're going to do that because you're faithful. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 50, verse 21, God said to his people, you thought I was like you. You thought I was like you. The clear implication there is that I'm not. I'm not like you. You might have thought that, but I'm really not. The great reformer, Martin Luther, in one of his letters to his friend Erasmus, he said, your thoughts of God are too human. And honestly, I think you and I have the same problem oftentimes. We, we tend to, to superimpose our, our own ideas, our own thinking, our own experience, even our own nature onto God. And yet he's different than we are. He's really not like us. Oh, I know we're made in his image, but he is clearly so far superior to us in every possible way. You know, as we've been looking at the attributes of God, and even as I prepared for this message, I recognize... I have way too small of a picture of what God is really like. And I think one of the biggest differences between us and God, no, maybe I'm saying that incorrectly. I think one of the things that is most difficult for us to understand about how different we are from God is the fact that he is eternal. That's way different than what we think. Genesis 21, verse 33, it says this, Abraham called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, the everlasting God, everlasting No beginning, no end, everlasting. Same thing in Psalm 93, verse 2. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. All the way back, eternity, you are from everlasting. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The New Century Version says the Lord is the God who lives forever. And that's not like when you're standing in the line at Walmart, you're going, this is taking forever. No, this is literally forever. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. His eternal power, his power 
is eternal, has no beginning, has no end. Clearly, if his power is eternal, then he has to be. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. Think about this. If he had a beginning, that would have meant that he would have had to have changed. He would have been nothing, became something. He would have had to have changed. And yet, he didn't. Forever. Revelation 1, 8, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Nothing before Him, nothing after Him. Why not? Because there is no before Him. There is no after Him. He is eternal. Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever You had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, You are God. I love that. From everlasting to everlasting, You are God. From Eternity past to eternity future, God is. No beginning, no end. God is eternal. So let's talk about that idea of eternal. Think about this. Even though God has given you and me, through Jesus, eternal life, we still had a beginning. We, we're going we're gonna to exist forever now into the future, but we had a starting point. But see, that's different from God. He had no starting point, no beginning. I mean, can you even begin to wrap your mind around that? That is so foreign to my way of thinking. What does that even mean? And yet that's God. And I said in a, uh, a sermon a few weeks ago that God's various attributes impact, uh, affect one another. Um, let, let me give you just one quick example. I had a couple of other ones, but I'm trying to keep the sermon short, okay? If God is eternal, lighten up, you guys. Man, what is wrong this morning? If God is eternal, then he's not immutable. That's a, a theological term for he's unchanging, all right? So think about it. What I said earlier, that if God had a beginning, he would have had to have changed. He would have had to have gone from not existing to existing. He would have had to have changed. So, and clearly, that didn't happen. He is eternal. So the fact that he is eternal means that he is immutable. I'm Malachi 3, 6. I, the Lord, do not change. And there are other things that we can talk about. God, God's various attributes impact one another. Now, I think if we want to grasp this idea of eternity, of, of there is an eternal God, then I think we need to at least understand somewhat the idea of time. Because for us, time is a reference point. point. We live in time. Um, and, and let me say clearly that time, from a scriptural perspective, had a beginning. There was a starting point for time. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. Eternal life which God who never lies promised before the ages. The NIV there says before time began. There was a, a beginning of time. 2 Timothy 1 verses 8 and 9. God who saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Again there was a beginning point 1 Corinthians 2.7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages. All of those scriptures show us that, that time as we know it had a beginning. There was a starting point for time. I've got a really short, less than a minute video that I want to show you. That it's a part of a, uh, a debate going on, and this guy, I think, really makes this point really, really well. Can we play that? <clears throat> wish we had time to keep going on that. He could do a way better job on this sermon than I can. He's way smarter than me. But I, I want to uh, have us understand there was a beginning. Time had a beginning, but God didn't. God is eternal. No beginning, no end. 
But he also, along with that no beginning, no end, he also experiences everything outside of time. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he said this, God dwells in eternity, but time dwells in God. He has already lived our tomorrows, and he has lived all our yesterdays. Wow. If there, if, if there is no time, then everything would ex- be experienced now, and that's apparently what God does. His experience of time is, can I say it, qualitatively different than ours? Seems to me that I read someplace that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. But even that is to help us to grasp um, the, the, the whole idea of God's eternalness. It's not as though uh, a day equals a thousand years. It's to help us to see from God's perspective uh, a little or a lot. It really doesn't make any difference. It's all the same to him because he dwells outside of time. Think about this, the the name that God revealed to Moses way back was I am. It wasn't I was or even I will be. No, it's I am. It's always in the present whenever you use that name because God is always there in any time. See, we human beings, we tend to see time at one point because that's where we are. God sees it, all things is present. That's crazy to my brain. Take a look at Isaiah 46. This is an amazing scripture. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Think about that. How is it that Jesus could come and fulfill more than three hundred prophecies from the old testament of the messiah that were that were given hundreds of years before jesus visibly came on the scene could fulfill every one of them if you were to go to a casino i'm not recommending this all right but if you were to go to a casino and you're standing there at the table and you win 300 times in a row you're going to get booted Because there's something wrong. There's something amiss. There's something out of place. Because mathematically, that's impossible. It can't happen. And yet, that's what Jesus did. See, what we need to understand is that the, the prophecies in the Bible, they're not guesses. They're not predictions. No, the prophecies in the Bible are simply history written down before it happens. See, God can easily know the end from the beginning, like Isaiah said, because he's in both. He's outside of time. Now, I will say this, that philosophers over the centuries have disagreed about the exact nature and definition of time. We live in it, so it doesn't seem abstract to us until we try to start defining it in, with words other than using the idea of time because then everything kind of gets muddled. I love St. Augustine said this about time. If no one asks me, I know. But if I wish to explain it to someone who asks, I do not know. <laughs> I love that. Um, current day Christian apologist William Lane Craig, brilliant guy, he said that, the, that apart from the idea of God, there is no concept so profound and so baffling as that of time. And I think he's right. Try, try to explain it. You're going to have real trouble. And I'm not, so I'm not going to try to give you a definition, but let me at least give you a couple of illustrations that might help put this in perspective a little bit more for us. Suppose that the St. Louis Cardinals win the World Series. This is not a prediction, okay? This is simply illustration purposes only. 
So they win the World Series, and because of that win in the World Series, there's going to be a parade, and you and I go downtown St. Louis, and we're going to watch the parade. We're standing there on the sidewalk watching the parade, and the parade starts, and some of the, the lesser players maybe come past, and they're on motorcycles riding along, and they're waving, and then some of the, the, the kind of middle players, they come along, and they're riding on, on convertibles, the top down, they're sitting on the back, and they're waving at us, and then the, 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 the star players they come by and they're riding in pickup trucks and they're sitting in the back of the pickups and they're waving at us as we're standing there on the sidewalk. And that's kind of cool. But think about this. What if we were to go up into the arch and watch that parade where we just saw the motorcycles and then the cars and then the, the trucks? Well, up there, we can see it all at the same time. Okay, I realize that's an imperfect illustration. I get that. We can't really see all of those things simultaneously, but it kind of makes the point. See, that's how God sees time we see each passing moment he sees it all at once we we watch each thing one at a time we we can't we can't understand this day and tomorrow we can't be in both of those at the same time we we can oh we can remember back we can remember what what happened yesterday we can kind of reminisce or think forward into the future imagine into the future about what might happen but we can't be in both of those things at the same time and yet apparently God can he's there all the time that is that's outside of our understanding but the good thing is that God isn't limited by under our understanding right think about it this way you and I are three-dimensional creatures we have length and width and height some of us wish we had more height. Some perhaps wish we had less width. Okay, but those are, those are different issues. We are three-dimensional creatures. All right, but suppose for a moment, suppose for a moment that we are only two-dimensional creatures. All we have is length and width. And so we, we live in this world, this atmosphere, the, this the, whatever. It's a plane. It's, a, it's just this kind of flat thing. And that's all there is. We can go as far as we want in any direction here, but there is no up and down because we don't have any up and down. There is no height. Are you with me? Okay. I know it's kind of crazy, but bear with me here. So, so suppose that a three-dimensional creature comes to our two-dimensional world. Maybe sticks their finger into our two-dimensional world. What are we going to observe? What are we going to perceive? All we're going to see is just like this round circle there, right? Suppose a three-dimensional creature comes along and jumps into our two-dimensional world. They stop like right here. All we see is three things, three strange, odd shapes. Following me? Yeah, where are you going with this, Tom? Uh, so a lot of people see time as a fourth dimension. So there's length, width, height, and span of time. You with me? But, and we, and we kind of get that because we live in time, right? But what if there is a creature who isn't limited by time? <coughs> See, that's crazy to us. We, we can't even begin to... That's like those two-dimensional creatures trying to figure out a three-dimensional person. doesn't make any sense because it's outside of their, their way of thinking. It's outside of their experience. And yet, that's what God is like. It's a crazy idea to us that he could possibly be outside of time. What does that even mean? And yet he is. So God is eternal. That means that he always was, always will be, and he dwells outside of time. Okay? So 
all right, Tom, that's great. What does all that mean for us here today? We started this sermon series. We said that we want to know God as he really is because if we really know him as he is, it's going to affect us as individuals. So what does this mean for us as his people? Let me give you three things that I think are pretty practical uh, for us. The first one, only an eternal God could truthfully offer men eternal life. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Because Jesus died and rose again, because Jesus took our sins, he took the punishment that we deserve because of our sins, he died on the cross for us so that we could know eternal life. He has given us eternal life he has made that promise to us we said it this morning in the apostles creed i believe in the life everlasting so think about this if god wasn't eternal he couldn't promise us eternal life that promise would be empty he couldn't make that promise if he didn't have eternity already himself think about this if i told you that after the service today i'm going to give you a million dollars Sorry, that's an empty promise because I don't have a million dollars to give you. But God's promise isn't empty. It's true. It's a fact. He has eternity and he is granting it to you and to me. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me because he's going to fulfill that promise. We have eternity with him. Wow. Number two. We need to see from God's perspective. This one, I'm going to stretch you a little bit, I think. Everything that you and I do and see and experience, it's all wrapped up in time. There's nothing that you and I have ever gone through that didn't include time. So for us to try to imagine something apart from time, that, that's, it's just it's crazy. It's like those two-dimensional people trying to understand a third dimension. But God being outside of time, he has a different perspective and I, I think even, a, even different priorities. So what if you and I had an eternal perspective? And again, this is difficult to imagine, but let me stretch your thinking a little bit here. Romans chapter 8, verse 30. It tells us that those whom he justified, he also glorified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. The, the Greek word glorified means to render glorious. Now, I struggle a little bit with that definition because it's using uh, a different form of the same word is, as part of the definition. Uh, that leaves, to me, it leaves some unanswered questions. So I, I looked up some of the, the synonyms for the word glorious, and I came up with things like great, magnificent, marvelous, remarkable, splendid, wonderful. So think about this. Paul here in Romans 8.30 He's talking as though our glorification, what, what's going to happen that when, when we see Jesus, we're going to be changed to be like him. He's talking as though that has already happened. It's past tense. He has glorified. That's past tense. It's already done. So let me ask you a question. Do you see anyone here in this room who has already been glorified, who has already attained that glory fully? No? Well, why not? God does. Because he sees from an eternal perspective. He has a perspective that's outside of time. See, we know the truth. We know that at some point that's going to happen. We recognize that. And yet God says it's already done. So what if you and I saw one another like that? See, we have a tendency to look at the, 
we look at the sin, we look at the struggles, we look at the problems, we look at the issues that we face in life, we focus on those things because they're here and now. They're in the current time. But what if we had a perspective that looked beyond time? What if we saw from God's perspective? What if we saw our brothers and sisters in Christ as having already been glorified like Romans 8.30 says they are? Wouldn't that change how we interact with them? Wouldn't that change how we talk about them? Wouldn't that change how we talk to them? See, that's what can happen if we see from an eternal perspective. And I wish I had more time to develop that concept, but that's, that's God's heart. We already have been. He wants us to see it. Number three. We would be less concerned about the here and now. Less concerned about the here and now. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and following. You all know this one. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, and alive, uh, today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. In other words, don't worry about what's up ahead. Why not? Because God is already there. It's a really good song by Casting Crowns. It's entitled Already There. From where I'm standing, Lord, it's so hard for me to see where this is going and where you're leading me. I wish I knew how all my fears and all my questions are going to play out in a world I can't control. When I'm lost in the mystery, to you my future is a memory. I love that line. Because you're already there. You're already there. Standing at the end of my life, waiting on the other side, you're already there. You're already there. From where you're standing, Lord, you see a grand design that you imagined when you breathed me into life and all the chaos comes together in your hands like a masterpiece of your picture-perfect plan. When I'm lost in the mystery, to you my future is a memory because you're already there. You're already there. Standing at the end of my life, waiting on the other side, you're already there. One day I'll stand before you and look back on the life I've lived. I can't wait to enjoy the view and see how all the pieces fit because you're already there. You don't need to be concerned about what's up ahead because God is already there. Now let me be clear here. I am not telling you that there are not going to be situations in your life that uh, are things that perhaps you don't want to have happen. You and I are told in Scripture that we are going to face difficulties in this life. There will be trials. There will be testings. There will be challenges. I know that. But God is there with us. The eternal God is already there in the midst of those situations before you and I ever get there. He knows what's going on inside us and around us. 
Deuteronomy 33, 27, the eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. If you understand the context of that verse, this is Moses giving his last words to the people of Israel. But you and I both know this is more than just a man speaking here. This is God talking through Moses and he's giving words of comfort to his people saying, don't worry, you can handle the next steps because I'm your dwelling place. The eternal God is your dwelling place. And it doesn't matter what's going to happen down the road. He's got you. He's already there. God's eternal nature is vital for us to understand. Why? Because it ensures that we recognize that God is with us always. He is never going to leave us. Whenever we need Him, no matter what's going on, God is there. You can have confidence because He is alive right now in all of your tomorrows already. Nothing to fear because the eternal God is with you eternally. Let's pray. Lord, today, we are so grateful that you have in your mercy revealed yourself as the eternal one, the one who had no beginning, has no ending, and that you exist outside of time. Lord, we'll admit that's mind-boggling to us. We don't fully understand that, and yet we know that's true from your word. Lord, too often we have had too small of a picture of you. God, forgive us, but we ask that you would plant this idea of your eternalness into our hearts and our minds. Lord, cause us to recognize that your promise of eternity for us through Jesus' death and resurrection is true. It's not an empty promise because you have eternity to hand to us, to give to us. Lord, thank you. Lord, help us to see from your perspective. Help us to, to recognize the things that you have already done in our lives and the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, help us to see one another from that eternal perspective, not just in the here and now, but what you have already accomplished in our lives because of what you've done. And Lord, at the same time, cause us to be less concerned about our lives here and now. Lord, to, to, to instead trust you, to know that you, the eternal God, is with us every moment of every day and that you are, are already there in our tomorrows regardless of what we might face. Lord, thank you that you, the eternal God, have set your affections on humans like us and given us your eternal love. We are grateful. Amen.